Going back, turn to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Psalm 145, just hold your place there. You know, it's been my attention and still continues to preach, I think it's correct, an allegory by comparing the essence of building strong spiritual lives and families as compared to the building of a house or a home. Last week we were at the foundation walls pouring God's Word into forms with internal reinforcements, securing God's Word into one single solid unit, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Now I would have moved on to another part of the house structure today, uh, but I've been drawn back to the first two points of the house. Why, you may ask. I guess we need another dose of the same medicine, but we need to hear it again. Those first two points are the supporting soil of a passion to give God glory and the knowledge that I was created perfectly to do that in my life. No two greater things than to rest your entire life upon than those two things. Now the goal of every born-again believer, the goal of every Christian home is to magnify the Lord, to give God the glory in everything that we do. Now if you've got your place in Psalm 145, I think this psalm pretty much tells that of David's psalm of praise here. It says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, and of thy wondrous works, and men shall speak of the might of the terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness, they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of His kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, and holy in all His works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love Him, but all the wicked will He destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. And from this I will preach a message Spiritual property found, claimed, and worked. Let's pray.
Father, as we, as you preach this message through these lips of mine, may people hear your voice today in a mighty way. May they be encouraged and inspired in their life, Lord God. May they not miss this message this morning. May they hear all that they need to hear today. And may they be encouraged to give it all for you, to give you all the glory, as David said in Psalm 145. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the metaphor of building a house, the passion for God's glory and the confidence we have to display, it could be compared to the ground that we purchased to place our home upon. Now, we've been going through this. Tim's been looking at some land and different things, so... Some of this stuff kind of all goes together in life and comes out in messages sometimes. Everything that we do at our place of residence, you know, is limited by the piece of ground we purchase. The size of our home, the landscape, the garden, the animals, the workshop, the barns, whatever we have to fit on that piece, it all has to fit on that piece of property. You can spiritually refer to that property as the deed that God gave you to glorify Him in your life. You, your children, and grandchildren need to find that deed, claim it, and work it. This is the desire that God has for you. But listen closely. I want you to listen closely to what He has for you. And you don't have to turn to these. I'm going to go through them pretty quick. I have a lot to go through today, and I hopefully get to a short video that I'd like for you to see. Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Ephesians 1, 5, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good, good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 1, 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. It's interesting to see how people view the size of a piece of land that you build on. For some, a half acre is humongous, while others who live outside the suburbs would not settle for anything less than an acre or two, but ideally want five, ten, or maybe twenty acres. But then a farmer sees twenty acres is pretty limited. It all has to do with the purpose, the desire, and the vision. You know, God gives different sizes of spiritual land to each of us, to different, you know, for different people for different reasons. The size of that spiritual land is not important. What is important is that you believe it, that you give yourself to it, that you claim it, and that you work it. Man, we get lost sometimes. It's real easy to get lost in this, in this world and forget what we're here for. You're to give yourself to it. We see the very roots of this in Genesis, where you find a lot of roots. Genesis 2.8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 
gives him a piece of land. Genesis 2.15, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. There it is in simplicity, folks. God gives us something in this life. It's there for us. And then we're to work it. I want to think of your life as two buckets, okay? Now you've got to use your imagination. Buckets, <laughs> okay? All right. The first is your bucket list of all the things in this life that you can have and get. The second bucket is the spiritual bucket. It's the future beyond your ability, reaching under the uttermost an eternal life that fills every longing crevice of our being. This bucket has an overflow of excess. It's called satisfaction. It is meant to overflow, run down all over to bring deep satisfaction whether temporal and temporal, sometimes and eternal at times, okay? We both have these buckets. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Jesus spoke of these two buckets of life. John 4.13, Jesus answered and said to her, this is the woman at the well, whosoever drinketh of this water, talking about himself, or talking about the water that was in, in the well, shall thirst again. Whoever drinks out of this will thirst again. You know, just something about that. I don't care how rich you are, how much you have, you can only eat so much. And then you become sick. And sometimes you can have all the money in the world and you don't have the stomach to even eat stuff. You can't even eat stuff to fulfill it. There's all sorts of things in life, and we have those things, but they're just temporary. As a matter of fact, you know, God loves you enough if you're one of His. <laughs> and I could show you scripture. We're not going to go there because I've got a lot to get through here, but He'll poke a hole in your bucket. He'll give you stuff, and it'll run right out, and you don't have nothing to show for it. What He's trying to say is wake up, go after this. Don't worry about this. I challenge you today for you and your family to start investing more in that spiritual bucket. To draw closer to God, to be able to hear God's voice, to know what the deed to your spiritual property is. We all have it. Then believe it, claim it by faith and work it. and Watch God add to the temporal bucket as you invest in the spiritual bucket. We have biblical examples in the lives of Noah, Abraham, Joseph, David, Daniel, Peter, Paul, to include others like Rahab, Ruth, Mary, Anna, Mary Magdalene. All these were deeded unique spiritual ground. God could give us a strange piece of ground. It's all right. If he gave it, you claim it, you work it. Noah, God gave a deed to build an ark. 
It cost him his reputation to the world, but he saved his family. He became the father to all the known world after the flood. Abraham, God gave him, we talked a little bit, of the mystery deed. To go not knowing where he was going. It cost him the best of life in the Ur of the Chaldees. In doing so, he became the father of many nations, his grandson Jacob, becoming the father of Israel. Joseph, God gave him a future deed to save much people alive. God told it to him in dreams that his family would bow down to him one day. It cost him dearly, rebuked by his father, envied and hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, slandered upon, resulting in imprisonments, but one day being exalted to number two in the greatest nation of that, on, that, on the earth that day. And yes, his family. Oh, well, you read that. His family being restored back to him in love and see the nation of Israel prosper in the land of Goshen. Man, you can't afford not to get this piece of property that God wants to give you. Moses was given the deed of identification with the Hebrews. <laughs> that didn't sound too good at the time, I'm sure. It would cost him position, greatness, wealth, and ease. It would send him running fearfully into the desert area of Midian. God then gave him a deed of the desert ground of all places. <laughs> Man be in that place with the right mind that ground was hard to work to say the least but Moses became a spiritual giant having a direct relationship with God that is probably unmatched by any other a relationship that made his face glow after being with God a body in old age that was said to not have its natural force abated I take that as meaning he was as strong as he was in his youth David was offered a deed of kingship. It would cost David greatly. Kingship would come much later and in pieces. David would bear the scourge of jealousy from his family and King Saul fleeing for his life like a fugitive. Then finally sitting on the throne of the most powerful nation on earth at that time. Daniel was given a deed to a window of prayer. But it would come at the extreme cost of extreme targeted persecution but his land expanded next to hungry lions who were miraculously held back from hurting him Peter was given the deed to follow Jesus he gave up his boating business and love of fishing to fish for men and boy did he catch men by the thousands and later gave his life as a martyr for God also Paul heard the voice of God and following his call he endured great afflictions but was used to pen much of the New Testament. Rahab, an harlot, heard the voice of God and following his call, she endured great affliction. Uh, she saw herself and her family saved from utter destruction. Ruth was given the deed to become a Jew. She left her Moabitess home and to follow Ruth and her God to become mother in line of Christ. Mary was given the deed to bear Jesus Christ. She was prophesied to suffer many things, too, through it. Anna was given the deed of widowhood, and she was given eyes to see and behold the Messiah. She knew. Nobody else could really know. But she, knew. she was given something very special. Mary Magdalene was given the deed to a, to a right mind and an ever-grateful heart 
for Christ. She would be the first to see Jesus after the resurrection. Spiritual ground purchased. An extreme cost paid for it. A reward a hundred times the price of it to take into eternity. Peter asked the Lord. <laughs> he said, what shall we receive? For? We've given up everything to follow you. And here's what Jesus said. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. They say you're crazy for not being in a 401k at your work because they match your funds. In essence, you get two times what you put in it. And, you know, it is. I mean, how can you do that? It seems to be a no-brainer, but there's still a chance that whatever you have in investment could crash and you could lose all the matching, plus some of what you have. Now, it's not likely, but it's definitely it's not a guarantee. Some stay awake at night worrying over their retirement and savings. Inflation eats it. Government taxes it. Your health makes you spend it on doctors and medicines. You find an ad out after that. <laughs> Matthew 619, lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. God's blessings are guaranteed and sure there's no worry over them. I love this verse this, and this last part of it just keeps ringing in my ear. The blessing of the Lord, Proverbs 10, 22, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. You get the world's treasure, a lot of sorrow can come with that, folks. Oh, Jabez asked to increase his, his coasts, but if you look into that, he asked for the Lord to be with them, and that that there would be no trouble that comes with it, in a sense. What is God offering you? What does God have in store for your children? It may cost you much, but it's the best deal you'll ever get. Now, I need to add a, like a big selah here. Stop, think, and consider. Part of the joy of having land is the effort and toil in developing it. Like, I get a piece of property. We have 40 acres here, man. I had a golf course built. You know, I, just, I need to do something on every piece of this thing, you know. It's just, it's, it's in you on the 20 acres that I have now. It doesn't matter what it is. You, you, you want to uh, work with it. It's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Spiritually, it does not come in a day or a week, but it takes months and years to develop the land that God gives you. It's a life work. Just ask Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Daniel, or any of those mentioned. It took a confidence and a work ethic that I believe the New Testament tells us what that is in Philippians 4.13, which you probably know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It's a good sign 
from God is that the work seems impossible. It's too big for you. That's a good place to be. God's ground, spiritual ground that He gives is beyond our ability. Would God settle for performance that at best can be achieved through human effort? No. What glory does He get in that? God's equal with, with man and what He can do? No. He's got something better. Ephesians 3.14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hey, this is, this is for us. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Is this your passion and the passion you want for your children and grandchildren? This is an important question to answer. The specialty of the devil is for you to focus on your inabilities, to see others who would do better, to see the difficulty, to create discouragement, to promote laziness and unbelief, to waste your time in self-absorption, self-achievement, competition, and comparison with fellow man, to have you belittled, by others or do the belittling yourself or to limit you, to drag you down, to take you off track. That's not what God's called us to do. We need to get the mind of Christ to know that we are a child of the King. To know we have been given a particular mission in life and that we have at our disposal every tool to achieve that mission. And nothing but ourselves can stand in the way of it. And many times it's ourselves that are standing in the way. If we do not renew our minds in Christ, we'll be limited by the devil's mindsets. Now my son Tim gave me a book by Carol Dweck called Mindset. It's a secular book. I'll just tell you right off the bat. But there are some incredible things to learn from it. It doesn't go off into wild things. It comes into just practical things that this lady's learned over 30 plus years of dealing with all sorts of people and situations, whether it's in uh, sports or whether it's in relationships, whether, but she finds these two mindsets that, that prevail. Now I'll tell you the one thing you don't want to learn about this book is this book is everything you can become right here. It has absolutely nothing to do with that here. What a failure, folks, to not be saved and to find the will of God and to do that. What a waste. This will all drop one day. But what she says applies. I see this in the problem in our lives here when we're trying to work that spiritual land. We go into these terrible <laughs> mindsets. Two mindsets. 
One is a growth mindset, embraces challenges, persists in the face of setbacks, sees effort as the path to mastery, learned from criticism, finds lessons and inspiration in the success of others. She finds this in some people and they, they just do really well. But then she finds people with fixed mindsets. These are people who avoid challenges. Gets de and let me just put it to you this way. When Brother Mike's teaching, the book of Hebrews, Jerry Henline said he was going to teach the book of Hebrews, but he said, I just, I just don't feel like I'm able to. This is a deep book. And you can give up. That's a fixed mindset. Avoids challenges. Gets defensive or gives up easily. Sees effort as fruitless or worse. Ignore useful negative feedback. Feel threatened by the success of others. Now I want to give you just a few uh, excerpts from the book because it goes way into a lot of things. I recommend as parents, grandparents, whatever, you'll find something in here that'll help you with your children. I'll, we'll leave this book in the library. I'm going to give it to Abby to, to read because there's some really good things about teaching in here and understanding kids. And I'll tell you what, if we don't understand that right, we're going to fail in our vacation Bible school when we get kids in here. Because <laughs> you're going to have to see these kids for what they can be. And you're going to have to see your children for that. She says here, self-inside, who has accurate views of their assets and limitations? And this isn't something that, you know, she's not coming in here and saying, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a midget, you're three foot tall, and you can play basketball in the professional league, you know, and, and be successful. Oh, there's limitations. It says, well, maybe the people with the growth mindset don't think they're Einstein or Beethoven, but they aren't they more likely to have inflated views of their abilities and try for things they're not capable of? In fact, studies show that people are terrible at estimating their abilities. Recently, we set out to see who is most likely to do this. Sure, we found that people greatly misestimated their performance and their ability, but it was those with the fixed mindset who accounted for almost all the inaccuracy. The people with the growth mindset were amazingly accurate. I'm going to read another excerpt. Now this is just study and data and looking at things. And you can see this. And we need to be careful of these things in our lives and how we look at ourselves and, and in our children. It says here, what's great about research is that you can ask these kinds of questions and then get, go to get the answers. So we concluded studies with hundreds of students, mostly early adolescents. We first gave each student a set of 10 fairly difficult problems from a nonverbal IQ test. They mostly did pretty well on these, and when they finished, we praised them. We praised some of the students for their ability. They were told, wow, you got, say, eight right. That's a really good score. You must be smart at this. They were in the Adam Gattel, you're so talented position, and you'd have to read the book to understand that little phrase there. We praised other students for their effort. Why? Or how? Or wow? You got, say, eight right. That's a really good score. You must have worked really hard. 
They were not made to feel that they had some special gift. They were praised for doing what it takes to succeed. Both groups were exactly equal to begin with. But right after the praise, they began to differ. As we feared, the ability praise pushed students right into the fixed mindset, and they showed all the signs of it, too. When we gave them a choice, they rejected a challenging new task that they could learn from. They didn't want to do anything that could expose their flaws and call into question their talent. In contrast, the, stu the students that were praised for effort, 90% of them wanted the challenging new task that they could learn from. Then we gave students some hard new problems, which they didn't do so well on. The ability kids, now though they were, now thought they were not so smart after all. If success had meant they were intelligent, then less than success meant they were deficient. What about the students' enjoyment of the problems? After the success, everyone loved the problems, but after the difficult problems, the ability students said it wasn't fun anymore. It can't be fun when you claim the fame and your special talent is in jeopardy. The effort praise students still loved the problems, and many of them said the, the hard problems were the most fun. We looked at the students' performance. After the experience with difficulty, the performance of the ability praise students plummeted, even when we gave them some more of the easier problems. Losing faith in their ability, they were doing worse than when they started. The, kid, the efforts kids showed better and better performance. The effort kids showed better and better performance. They used the hard problems to sharpen their skills so that when they returned to the easier ones, they were way ahead. Since this was a kind of an IQ test, you might say that praising ability lowered the students' IQs and that praising their effort raised them. Now listen to this. There's one more finding out in our study that was striking and depressing at the same time. We said to each student, you know we're going to go to other schools and I bet the kids in those schools would like to know about the problems. So we gave students a page to write out their thoughts but we also left the space for them to write the scores they had received on the problems. Would you believe that almost 40% of the ability praised students lied about their scores and always in one direction? In the fixed mindset, imperfections are shameful, especially if you're talented, so they lied them away. What's so alarming is that we took ordinary children and made them into liars by simply telling them they were smart. That's just a snippet. There's some real things here that we struggle with, and we cannot, we, your kids need to know who they are in Christ. I'm going to have a little uh, YouTube video up here. Now, what, what I want you to see in this video is this man... You tell, you think about it, when did this happen? And what did he do? It with? Did he have a fixed mindset or did he have a growth mindset? And you know what we're supposed to do as Christians? We're, it's not about where we're at. It's about if we're growing. That's the only thing that's important. Okay? You get these things right in your mind, you won't be hindered. And this is is kind of an epitome of this.
no go. It's all right. Take the headphones off. <laughs> that That's that bucket over there, yeah.
a winner with 49 carat opal with 33 diamond. This thing's a big matching box. She has the one kind of I said, you haven't complained about the books and table book lately. But I, I, went, I paid it back the second time, then the business the third time, and lost it again. What are you doing if you start to fade? You wish for one more dream? We should never give up, let up, or shut up until God takes us out of Well, I went in the business the third time and lost it again. Paid it back and went in the business the fourth time and built one of the largest real estate corporations of its kind in our nation with offices in Singapore and Hong Kong. We saw that out many years ago. Today, our business interests spread almost around the entire world. We're very unusual in business. We have no overdrafts, no loans, no mortgages anywhere in the world. We've never been sued. We've never sued anyone. Um, we are the only corporation on the face of the earth that has its own private currency. We're the only family in the world that has its own private bullion bank called Anglo Farage Bullion Company. Now, my, my mind works a little bit different because I've never ever gone through formal schooling according to psychologists and, and others. They say you have a very different mind. You can read eight books at a time. Uh, and uh, would you believe it takes to pay me $1 million for 15 minutes advice? You made $120 million. You're not that smart. what he could borrow and gave that away. And then he even borrowed against his good name and gave that away. Think about that. That's a pretty righteous thing. To make a goal in your life to see how much a man could give away. And then make an impression for 300 years. But God gave him that spirit. That's not you. But every one of us, every child here, has something in this cup. His started, and he trusted Christ as a Savior. He's very well known in the business area, along with others. And he's very, I like him, like he just tells the Bible like it is. 
He tells churches like it is. You make stands like you should. He's amazingly strong. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some flaws in it, but it's, it's not a bad fella to, to listen to, to, to help remind you of who you are, what God's given you, what God's given your children, and to get the right mindset about it. We have some poor mindsets, folks. Let's see if we can get them corrected. Let's pray. Father, just want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness. That you made us. That's where it all starts. And you made us with a purpose in mind. That is where fulfillment is. The best you can do in your own life, in your own ways, is, is to fill a cup that you'll leave behind and miss everything that God has for you or God has for your children. May we have a renewed vision, Lord God. You've given us a deed. We need to claim it. We need to work it. It, may take all, it will take all our life. We don't know where we're going. I don't think any of these people from Daniel to Joseph, they just started in a direction that God gave them. And it just played itself out. Every one of us is special. Every child is special. May we buy that piece of ground before we build that house. Let's get the piece of ground that's going to hold that house. And let us have the right mindset to claim it and to work it. for coming today. I pray that God's encouraged you today. It can get tough. You can want to give up. All these people in the Bible, I'm sure, found themselves in places like that. But I just want to make sure that you know this is important, very important to get a hold of these two things. God has a plan. You're going to find it down in this bucket here. Not in this. You're not going to find it there. You're going to find it down in here. <laughs> Start doing more for God. Start giving to God. And watch Him just take care of things and watch Him just take care of this. And you'll get really fulfilled in your life. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Bless these uh, people, Lord God, and watch over them and, and help them to be all that they can be, not in this world, for this world, but for you, to give you the glory and the praise and the honor and the majesty and all those things. 
that you and you alone are worthy of. And one day, we will fall before you in a way we can't even imagine now to worship to you in heaven one day. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.